Welcome to another episode of Do Loss. My name is Levi Bimba, and we're going to talk about Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, buying Twitter, and we're going to try to look at it uh, with a biblical view. So one of the biggest stories over the last month or so was that Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, the CEO of uh, Tesla, uh, the electric car, the premier electric car company, and uh, also CEO of SpaceX, he uh, wanted to get in Twitter, the social media platform where you can share thoughts within 140 characters or less. I think now it's up to 280 characters or less. But you can. Uh, he wanted to buy the platform because he didn't like the direction of speech uh, being patrolled on that platform. He thought it was way too controlled and way too uh, top-down uh, control. And so he wanted to uh, buy it so he could actually open it up and give more free speech and more uh, more access to people who wanted to share their views, even if they are views that people wouldn't agree with. And so according to the Wall Street Journal, it says that Twitter accepted Elon Musk's bid to take over the company and go private, a deal that would give the world's richest person control over the social media network, where he is also among its most influential users. The $44 billion deal marks the close of a dramatic courtship and a change of heart at Twitter, where many executives and board members initially opposed Mr. Musk's takeover. The deal has polarized Twitter employees, users, and regulators over the power tech giants wield in, de in determining the, par the parameters of discourse on the internet and how those companies enforce their rules. The two sides worked through the night to hash out a deal in which Mr. Musk plans to take Twitter private in a deal that values a company at $54.20 a share. The takeover, if it goes through, would mark one of the biggest acquisitions of a tech company and will likely affect the direction of social media. Mr. Musk will bring a commitment to a more hands-off approach on speech moderation to a company that has struggled to reconcile freewheeling conversations with content that appeals to advertisers. Yeah, Mr. Musk, Mr. Musk uh, was quoted as saying, I hope that even my worst critics remain on Twitter because that is what free speech means. So clearly you see that he wants to take it private so it won't be um, subject to regulatory and, and investor oversight he wants to do what he wants to do with the platform and and take it over and and he and his estimation is going to make it better and more accessible and more free and more open to people who want to join in on the platform um so that's why he said that he he hopes his worst critics stay on there because that's what free speech is about it's about being able to talk express yourself and not being censored by what you say or by what you believe so the new york times says that free speech is a bedrock of a functioning democracy and Twitter is a digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated, Mr. Musk said in a statement announcing the deal. Twitter has tremendous potential. I look forward to working with the company and the community of users to unlock it. The billionaire, billionaire who has more than 83 million followers on Twitter and has romped across the service hurling jibes and memes has repeatedly said he wants to transform the platform by promoting more free speech and giving users more control over what they see on it. By taking the company private, Mr. Musk could work on the service out of sight of the prying eyes of investors, regulators, and others. Yet scrutiny will likely be intense. Twitter is not the biggest social platform and has more than 217 million users, 217 daily users, compared with billions for Facebook and Instagram, but it has had an outsized role in shaping narratives around the world. Political leaders have used it as a megaphone, while companies, celebrities, celebrities, and others have employed it for image making and brand building. So clearly this is, uh, even though it has less followers or less users than Facebook or Instagram, it's more influential in, as far as getting your message out, building a brand, 
controlling uh, what you are deeming uh, newsworthy regarding your own company or your own life. Obviously, the former president, Donald Trump, used it a bunch. And and part of the reason probably why he did lose the election is because he used it way too much. And so um, but so even though this, it's a small social media platform, Mr. Musk thinks obviously it's, it's influential and most people agree with him which is why he's putting his money where his mouth is. He wants to take control of it and make it better, make it more usable, make it more uh, pop popular, even turn it a profit. Because Twitter right now hasn't made a profit. I think two of uh, eight out of the last 10 years has not made a profit. So obviously he's throwing his money into it. He thinks it's going to be beneficial for him and for everybody going forward, according to him. So you have a lot of uh, conservatives, a lot of people that are more uh, lean right are excited about this deal because Elon Musk, has uh, promised to make it more open and, and more uh, accessible. And you, you've even seen people on Twitter over the past few day, days since this deal went down, uh, they've seen their follower count increase. They've seen their reach increase. People who are more politically conservative. So they're saying, this is great news. This is awesome. And this proves our point that Twitter was uh, uh, was um, censoring us and was taking away our ability to grow a following and, and spread our message. And so... I think at first glance, it sounded like a good thing. It sounded like good news. It sounded like this was, it sounded like this was going to be something good for the country. And it may be, I'm not saying that it won't be, I'm not saying that this is a terrible thing, but I think it's, it helps to remind us as Christians that our hope and our trust and our, and our excitement and our joy should rely on what is true and what is good and what is sound, chiefly found in God's word. And so what God's word sa says is that we shouldn't put our hope in princes. And we'll get to a couple of scriptures from there, but I remember listening to some commentary about this deal, and I think one of uh, uh, one of the guys that I listened to that had an insightful comment about uh, Mr. Musk's deal is Royce White. He had a he was a former NBA player, or he is a former NBA player, and now he's running for Congress up in Minnesota against Elon Homar, and uh, he's um, he had an interesting take on this deal, and I want you to take a listen to what he says here. If you don't believe in God, I I have skepticism about your belief in freedom. Because freedom in the American context comes from Christian faith. It comes from the idea that there are natural human rights that are given to you by a, by a creator and an authority higher than man or government. And when you don't have that, that, that idea or that framework of heaven, when that collapses, like it has for Elon Musk, and I'm not sure if, if he's coming back into faith or what, but, but he's an atheist. And he's very open about that. And, and so I question any atheist's ability to, to instill a, a moral health or a moral correction for something that has become blatantly immoral and, and, and working in effect for evil spiritual forces. Now, I like Elon Musk. I think he's brilliant. I don't think we can take anything away from what he's accomplished. I believe in meritocracy, and I think he's a competent, scientific, and, and innovative mind. So you see, uh, even though I may not agree completely with what he was saying there, but I kind of agree with the sentiment in that saying that Elon Musk is an atheist. He's a, he's, a, he's a confessed atheist. He does not believe that there is a God, definitely not the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Royce White's point is that to think that I'm going to um, get excited or trust or, or believe that this guy is actually going to bring in a moral correction to what Twitter has become is not really a, a sound uh, belief system. It's not really a sound position to take because he's an atheist. And by atheistic standards, they don't believe in God. They don't believe in the, the fixed framework of morality that God has revealed through his word. So why should we trust? Why should we, why should we believe that a billionaire who clearly is smart and intelligent beyond many of our capacities, but has no belief in God, is going to bring a moral correction to, to Twitter or to the uh, country or to 
free speech or freedom of religion as we as we know it. And we'll talk about those concepts a little bit as we move forward here. And so uh, I want to bring out a couple of scriptures regarding what Royce Wright has said regarding Elon Musk being an atheist and trying to bring a moral correction to Twitter and to the social discourse in America. Psalm 118.9, it says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. And I think that's a pretty clear, distinct passage that we should not trust. Uh, we should not put our trust in men. We shouldn't put our trust in what they can do and their, and their um, abilities to change things or their abilities to hold things up or, or and this was not just anybody uh, who is unsaved, but even men, fallen men that are that are also Christian and that are also in the church and serving. We shouldn't put our, our hope and our trust in them uh, more than we put our trust in the Lord because the Lord should be our trust. The Lord should be our guide, our protector, our defender, and he should be our, the one who we look to for, elite, uh, for love and for guidance and for, um, and for truth and for justice. Uh, ultimately, he's the one we should look to. Psalm 146, 3-6 says, Put not your trust in princes, nor in a son of man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that therein is, who keepeth truth forever. So contrasting God, who can't die, who can't uh, be moved or influenced by any other by anybody really he can do whatever he wants at whatever time he wants you contrast that with a man who may have a lot of wealth who may have a lot of intelligence a lot of influence but he could die tomorrow and all that wealth and influence really goes away and all his ideas and his thoughts kind of die with him because he can't live beyond <laughs> beyond this life on his own he's not god he can't sustain his own his own body and so uh to put, our, to put our trust in people who may have a lot of wealth, may have a lot of influence, a lot of intellect, and may even be pushing them towards something that they say, they claim they want to push to, which is good. Uh, I, I think we are not doing what the Bible has prescribed us to do. And the world will go after men like this, which is why a lot of conservatives are happy about what Elon Musk is doing. And I wouldn't call them sinful, but I would say, I would just have to say, check your heart. Are you excited because you think he will be the answer he'll he'll solve the problem that we have today or or are you looking at him as um, you know, an instrument of God to do whatever God is desired to do with Twitter in this time because we know that God works all things after the counsel of his own will Ephesians 1 tells us that so if you're putting your trust in God using Elon Musk to do to accomplish a particular purpose then I think that's perfectly well and good but to trust Elon Musk over what God may be doing in the earth, I don't think is, is right. A little bit about Elon Musk is that he grew up, uh, uh, he's now an atheist, but he grew up going to Anglican and Jewish schools. And at a young age, he went through an existential, an existential crisis uh, to figure out the meaning of life. And he said he read a bunch of religious books and philosophical books, and he read the Bible as well, but he found really no answer to the, the dilemma that he had. And now he believes in advancing humanity and even believes that the universe itself as God, and we can listen to a little bit of his explanation here. What do you worship? Well, I, I don't really worship anything, but I, I do devote myself to the advancement of humanity uh, using technology. And, and it does beg the question, if there is some superconsciousness, where did the superconsciousness come from? So I think the, the most likely explanation is uh, that uh, complexity evolved from simplicity. You know, that the simple elements over time combined to become more complex and mm. arrived at what we are. 
Mm -hmm. So you see there that he does not believe in God and or the God of, of Scripture. He thinks that if there is a God, then we have to find out where he came from. What he does understand is that God is self-existence. Uh, He's eternal. God doesn't have a beginning. He doesn't have, a, have an end. He just is. That is why he is God. He has all power, all authority, all might. So there's no there's no um, there's no other God besides him. There's no God that created God. There's no other gods that even exist. And we'll cover that as well in regards to what the Bible says about other gods. But first, we have to remember that the world's wisdom is not even valued in the eyes of God. Uh, that's not to say that we don't, we're not thankful for medical advancements. We're not thankful for all these in inventions that seem to make our lives easier and more uh, comfortable and all, all of these things. However, when it, but when it comes to wisdom, uh, God really has no value in the wisdom of the world. In 1 Corinthians 1, 27 to 31, um, Paul writes, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things which are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But because of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who from God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. So God really chooses foolish things. The world that the world that thinks something is foolish and stupid and, and really lacking intelligence, those are the things that God chooses to even confound and to supersede the wisdom of the world. God chooses those things that are base, which is why Paul would also go on to say that not many mighty, not many noble are called. Uh, God really chooses the weak, the based elements of the world to really establish his kingdom to show that the, that the wisdom of the world is foolishness. It's not strong. It's not mighty. But to show that God's wisdom is true. God's wisdom is mighty. God's wisdom is the one who uh, is, the, is the wisdom that we all need to function in the world rightly and to please God. God uses weak uh, men and <laughs> weak women. And really, the, just the, the foolish things of the world, the world that uh, and in the eyes of the world, the things that the world sees as foolish and, and dumb and backwards, like believing the Bible, believing that the world was created in six days, believing that there are men and women and there are, that there are differences between those two, that uh, believing that the only way you can be saved is through Jesus Christ by believing in his death and burial and resurrection. All of those things that the world deems as foolish and, and, and intelligent or even as lies or la lacking intelligence or even as lies, God uses those things to save and to bring and to show the foolishness of the world system itself so and lastly in that in that passage uh paul talks about how if him, him that glory let him glory in the lord so our only boast should be in god we shouldn't boast about our favorite president our favorite ceo our favorite preacher or teacher everything that we do we should put our boast in god and what he has done in, in his earth and what he is doing in his in his earth so we can be thankful knowing that god is still in control no matter what direction elon musk takes twitter whether it's for good in the eyes of God and for evil in the eyes of God, really God knows at this point what he will do ultimately with the social media platform. But we can trust and put our faith in God and put our trust in the Lord, knowing that whatever it happens, it will be ultimately for the good of those who belong to God and for the glory of God himself. And in regards to um, you know freedom of speech, freedom of religion, I think we have to ask ourselves biblically, what are, what are these concepts? Uh, I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful that we are able to practice uh, open worshiping God in a way that we are not censored, we're not uh, attacked, at least right now, even though most of the world is attacked and is shut down from worshiping. 
And even in those areas, the church is still growing, like China and India and Pakistan and other places are still, the gospel is still being spread, even though they are under immense persecution. Because again, the Bible, God does not need freedom of speech, freedom of religion to establish his kingdom here on earth. And um, I think one man who can remind us that for sure in no uncertain terms is John MacArthur. And listen to what he has to say about that here. I read the other day that one of the evangelical publicists, whatever that is, said he's happy to let us know that the new administration will uphold religious freedom. Really. The new administration will uphold religious freedom? Um, I don't even support religious freedom. Religious freedom is what sends people to hell. I, to say I support religious freedom is to say I support idolatry. It's to say I support lies. I support hell. I support the kingdom of darkness. You can't say that. No Christian with half a brain would say, we support religious freedom. We support the truth. So again, like I said, only as John MacArthur can, he reminds us that religious freedom is not the, the central goal of Christians. We, that's not something that we are putting our trust in for the sake of the propagation of the gospel. Because as Christians, we support what is true. We support what is good and that good and truth the truth, and, the truth and what's good is what we find in the Word of God. And so we have to remember that America's ideals of freedom of speech, freedom of religion were not needed for the church to grow in the first century. In fact, the church grew because it was persecuted. It grew because uh, of the spread of the gospel, because of the people that were being persecuted within that time and place within the first century. Um, the Jews were actually, or the, the Christians actually were, the church was founded under an openly hostile regime, an openly hostile and brutal government, the Roman Empire. They toler Rome tolerated religious freedom as long as that religion didn't involve sole allegiance to Christ. They say you can believe in whatever God you wanted to, but you have to, but you can't, you can't knock off every other God just to hold on to this one God, which of course was the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so in Acts 2.23, uh, even the Jews who were religious at that time and wanted to be able to worship God freely and were still waiting on the Messiah at the time, and some still are waiting for the Messiah, they killed Jesus when he came and persecuted the church greatly. And Acts 2, 23 to 24 says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate will and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. And so the leader of the Christian uh, faith, the, the founder of the Christian faith in Christ, he was killed. He was murdered by the Jews who were religious, who uh, seemingly wanted to be left alone in regards to freely living out their religious ideals, much like we are today in America. But they killed the Messiah, the Lord of glory, when he came uh, to offer them true salvation, true peace, and, and a lasting kingdom that can never be taken away by any Roman soldier or any Roman king or anybody ever. And so to continue on the lines of religious freedom and talking about it's really it's not it's not that religious freedom is a is an inherent. Um, uh, it's not something that the church can be thankful for, because, again, the church has used it to uh, spread the gospel and to be able to worship freely and, and has used 
the, the blessing of it, but to say that it is something that we need to be upheld for the church to be successful, that's not a, I don't think that's a, that's borne out by the evidence of just church history itself. And so MacArthur had another quote uh, following in that message. If the new administration supports religious freedom, get ready. Persecution will be ramped up because the more supportive they are of the devil's lies, the less they're going to tolerate the truth of Scripture. We condemn every lie and we call every person to this. There's one true God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You'll have no other gods before me, right? There's salvation in one name and one name only, that's Jesus Christ. We will proclaim the exclusivity of the gospel, the unique revelation authority of Scripture. We're not going to lobby for freedom of religion. What, what kind of nonsense is that? We are in the world to expose all those lies as lies. And that's what we're here for. We're here to expose the lies for what they are, and we're here to stand for what is true. We're here, we're here to stand for the Word of God. We're here to stand for Christ and to explain that there's only salvation in one name, and that is in Jesus Christ. And so if you have not come to Christ, if you don't know Him, there is no other way to get to God. There is no other way to inherit eternal life other than through Jesus Christ. You have to repent. You have to turn from your sins and trust in Jesus Christ, who was God in the flesh, who came on this earth, lived and obeyed the law of God perfectly and was willing to go on the cross and have all of your sins put on, put on him. And he was willing to suffer and die for your sins. And even more than that, he is willing to turn around and give you his own righteousness so that when God sees you, a repentant sinner, believing in his son, he will see you as a perfect, righteous, righteous, holy person because you are now united with Christ by faith in his death and burial and resurrection. And so that message does not need freedom of religion. That message does not need freedom of speech. That message does not need a Twitter platform that is uh, politically neutral or, or wide open to all ideas. Uh, God is sufficient enough to accomplish his own purposes. He doesn't need America to accomplish his kingdom work on earth. He doesn't need Elon Musk. He doesn't need Twitter to establish his kingdom here on earth. And so it's easy to get caught up in the, the good that may be happening or, or that may be more freeing for us as Christians. But again, we're not promised an easy life. Actually, we're promised the opposite. Paul said, if all, all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It is part of the Christian walk to die to ourselves daily. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. It's a daily thing that we have to be willing to die to ourselves. That means some of us may have to may have to die. Uh, some of us may just have to give up things that we like to do that are not going to make us more like Christ. We have to just die to the, we have to die to the desires that we have within our flesh. And it's hard. It, it's a battle every day. It's not something that is easy, but that's the whole point of the Christian life is realizing that Jesus did it for you. It wasn't easy for him to go to the cross. It wasn't easy for him to die and suffer the eternal wrath of God within that moment on the cross for your sins. But he did it anyway because of his love for really for the glory and honor of God, uh, his father. And for, and for us, his sheep, his family, his brothers and sisters, if we do what he commands us. And so uh, we have to remember that the church didn't need freedom of speech or freedom of religion or Elon Musk to buy this sort of platform to make it more politically neutral and help others to get their messages out there to, to, to grow. Acts 8, 1 through 4 says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, meaning the death of Stephen, whom they had just stoned for testifying to the glorification and the lordship of Jesus Christ. 
And it says, And at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into, entering into every house and hailing men and women, he committed them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So this great persecution that took place actually was the furtherance of the church. It was actually the building blocks of spreading the gospel everywhere the Christians went because they were persecuted and scattered and left Jerusalem. So they, as they went, they went preaching the word, preaching the gospel of salvation. And the church grew as a direct result of persecution, of censorship, of attacks against them. And so we have to remember that even when it comes to religious freedom, God is a jealous God. God doesn't need religious liberty for the spreading of his kingdom on earth. Daniel 4, 35, it says, And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? So God, I mean, as far as we're concerned in the eyes of God, we're, we're nothing. We don't. God doesn't need our wealth. He doesn't need our power. He doesn't need our wisdom. He doesn't need our, our intellect. He doesn't need anything from us to establish and to do whatever he wants to do on the earth. If, if God doesn't need this podcast or God, God doesn't even want my podcast to go forth, he can kill me and, and send me to heaven with him tomorrow because, again, I'm not my own. It's his desire to do whatever with my life, that, what he wills. Um, Isaiah 40, 17, it says, All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him as less than nothing in vanity. That includes America. As great and as powerful and as wealthy and as innovative and, uh, and as, uh, power, uh, as, as uh, helpful as it has been in the world, for the establishment of the church and of sound doctrine and of the true gospel going forth. In God's eyes, America is nothing. It's less than nothing. It, God doesn't need America to do what he needs to do in his kingdom. America is only 244 years old. God was, had God has been establishing his kingdom since, uh, since the foundation of the world. He didn't need America to, to spread his kingdom over the earth. Um, Psalm 135, verse 6, it says, For I know that the Lord is great. And that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and on earth, in the seas and in all deep places. So whatever, the, whatever God desires to do, he will do. There's nobody can, that can stop him and say, hey, what are you doing here, God? Don't do that. You're not supposed to do that. That's not wise. That's not going to help us do what we need to do. That's not going to help us accomplish the mission that we have here on earth. God doesn't need us to do what he wants to do. The Bible clearly says he does whatever he wants in heaven and in earth, and not just in earth, but also in the sea and in all deep places. So God's not limited by, uh, by space, by time, by anything. He can do what he wants, wherever he wants, at all, at all times. And again, we have to remember that God is a God that desires absolute allegiance, absolute worship. Uh, he does not want you serving any other God because there is no other God. And he tells us this chiefly in Ex Exodus 20. Verses 1 through 7, where he says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, who have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, talking to the Israelites. He had just freed them out of Egypt. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not make, take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name 
in vain. So God is a jealous God, and God is not jealous of you, as Oprah once misinterpreted a sermon that she heard. God is not jealous of us. God doesn't need us to, to exist. God doesn't need us to enjoy life uh, on his own. God is sufficient. He's self-sufficient. He doesn't need us uh, to worship him. But because he wanted us to worship him, again, going back to God can do whatever he pleases, even though he doesn't need us. He can make a creation that he desires for the creation itself to, to serve him and to worship him. He laid down the law and said he is the Lord God. He, there is no other God. We shouldn't even make graven images. We shouldn't bow down to any other God because he is the one true God that we uh, must give our allegiance to. And we have to obey him or die. And that's the simple fact of life. You either obey God and enjoy life and enjoy peace and enjoy uh, a relationship with him and, and fellowship with him in the Lord Jesus Christ, or you perish, die, and go to hell for your sins because that's, those are the only, the only two options. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 14 to 16, again, God says, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. You shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people who are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. So God doesn't tolerate other religions. God doesn't tolerate other gods. Uh, he is not in the, in the business of propping up other gods for the sake of giving uh, the people who want to serve him more access to him. Going back to the whole concept of religious liberty, God doesn't need religious liberty for true worshipers to worship him. Most of, uh, throughout most of history, you were persecuted, uh, intensely so, for worshiping the one true God. Um, there is no, there's no, um, there's, when you worship God, there is, the, the, devil, the devil is out there to try to get you to not worship him and wants you to die and to suffer and to be killed so that you don't worship the one true God. But um, God says that he wants us to worship him despite what goes on. Again, going back to what Paul wrote in the New Testament, that if you desire to live godly, if you desire, if you desire to live a life pleasing to God, you will go through persecution. And we have to remember that. So Elon Musk buying Twitter, while it may be a, a good thing and may help Christians to continue to put good content out there, and I, and, I, and I hope that to be so, our confidence and our trust and our hope should not be in the fact that we have religious liberty or that we have this billionaire who's going to continue to give us access to promote the content that we uh, know is good and, and true for the world, but our confidence should be in the Lord who has ordained all things, even persecution, even the attack of the church for his own eternal purposes. So we can trust in him knowing that he will accomplish all that he wishes to accomplish. So thank you for listening today on the Do Lost Podcast. I hope that you that you will leave a review on the Apple Podcast or Spotify if you're listening there or comment down below on Facebook or on YouTube to discuss what we talked about today. And I will see you on the next Do Lost episode. Oh, and also coming up on Sunday, we have Luke Leader, a brother from our church, telling me, telling me about his testimony, testimony recently saved during the pandemic. A lot of good, a lot of people were saved during the pandemic because they were able to focus on what the Word of God had to say and were able to find sound doctrine online. And so he's one of those. He will tell us about his testimony about how God saved him during the, uh, the COVID pandemic. So listen on Sunday at 3 p.m. And I hope you will be blessed by that. So I will see you on the next episode of Do Loss.